Well, hello and welcome to the Liminal Faith Podcast. My name is Helen Cotty. And this is Sherryland Villarreal. The Liminal Faith Podcast is a podcast for the spiritually curious, where you can have open conversations outside of the boundaries of traditional religion. Many people connected to liminal faith would consider themselves spiritually homeless or spiritual nomads. Whatever your perspective, wherever you're coming from, thanks for joining us today and welcome to the conversation. Um, So Helen and I, today we're going to talk about offering ourselves and others permission to change your mind spiritually. And um, a big part of this comes from us really discovering that we are so aware in this liminal faith journey that we do not know from one day to the next if we're going to believe our own what what I think today I may I'm well aware I may not believe even tomorrow so she and I were just talking about this minutes ago and we're like hey let's Let's, let's record it. Let's record this conversation. We're in it now. Let's do it. So here we are, and welcome to the Permission to Change Your Mind episode of Liminal Faith. So it kind of feels really important that we're doing it this way. So this is not planned. Uh, we had literally were just having a conversation, and now we've pressed record. And part of it that feels important is because um, – we've recognized that where this liminal faith gathering sits is in the messy middle of change. Like there are so many amazing voices who um, are what we call over there. (laughs) They have transitioned out of um, a faith that doesn't work and they are finding themselves in the new. And those voices are so helpful. Um, but what we found is that very often for us, we are not speaking from a place of being over there. We're speaking, kind of straddling the line of the threshold. And being willing to speak from that place for us is really important. And it's the thing that we, we really hold as precious at Liminal Faith. We are not experts in the sense of we've done this journey and we've got it down and we're letting you know what it's like but we're somewhere over there um there are some times where we are semi-confident reasonably confident so there are many things that we're like huh i do not know i am not sure what's going on here this is still ugly and messy i'm still in process and so we are being very real and very authentic with where we're at and part of that is then having the conversation about i think i think this today however this is not fully formed fully sorted fully researched i don't know if in a year i can still hold by that and that's really the background to this conversation is that is where we find ourselves and it feels really important to be willing to be completely open and transparent about that yeah we were just having a conversation with a mutual friend the other day and I heard myself say something similar for the first time Um, he was asking us about liminal faith and um, what we are for because we know what has felt what has not sit well with where we come from that is 
prompted the conversations between Helen and I in the first place. We know what, like we feel the essence of what we're growing into, but we've had a really hard time naming what it is. We know what we're, um, what we have a hard time with, but we don't know what we're for, or at least how to articulate what we're for. And I heard myself when he asked that question of what are you for? I heard myself answering him. Well, I know how to answer that right now, but I am also aware that a year from now, I might very well turn around and disagree with this statement. And so it was something in that, that I heard myself say it helped me to understand where I was where we are in this conversation. And it also was so permission giving. So like, you know, that's okay. That's actually why we chose the name liminal faith. We've talked about this before, but liminality is to be in the in-between threshold place. Uh, It's the metaphor that we've used as if there's a hallway of a bunch of doorways and you were in one room and you've come out of that doorway and you've entered this hallway space and there's a lot of other doors and to other places and some may not have even been constructed yet, but you're in the hallway, you're in the in-between. That's what liminality is. It's that in-between place, not out of one, but not fully into the new. And hearing myself say that, yeah, I don't exactly know what I'm for yet, or at least how to articulate it other than today. I can tell you today what I'm for. And I would have said something like today I'm for asking the questions I'm for wrestling with this and wrestling openly and not feeling like I have to fit my questions into the right framework or beg for permission to ask the questions or I just want to be curious. I'm for curiosity. I'm for openness about on a much broader scale than just the one denominational perspective I've been given or the one religious tradition I've been given, but I'm curious about other religions and their spiritual perspective. I'm curious about humanity on a much more global scale. And I, I want to have freedom to be curious. And as I'm curious, I find so much value there. So that's what I can say I'm for today. Um, I'm for that radical openness. Um, I feel like I will that's a permanent thing, but I don't know who's to say, right? There are many things that I felt very confident in how I believed or how I thought or how I, um, my belief statements um, in a few years ago that I am not at all confident about those things now. So um, yeah, it's just having permission to acknowledge that we are beings in that live out over time and we are, evolutionary creatures right we are not point in time i believe this and this is my identity backwards and forwards from now and forever but gosh there was such permission to acknowledge that and to say yeah i can be fully here knowing that i have no idea where i'm going but it feels good to be here now here's where i am now yeah and i i think that some of why this feels tricky um is because some of the worldview that we both came from uh, hands out uh, guarantees um, and eternal guarantees. And when you make a decision, it's, it's permanent, it's mm-hmm. eternal, it's everlasting, and you have a lot of confidence. Um, and that's something which is really, really connected to the old system. 
And belief-based confidence too, right? So the decisions are belief-based. I choose to believe dot, dot, dot. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I mean, I've heard this said on a number of different podcasts or in different blogs, which is, (coughs) excuse me, I'm choking. (coughs) Don't Don't do it. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, The idea that uh, confidence has become intertwined with the Christian world and it's the thing which is given to people when we struggle to be confident in so many other things because things seem to be changing and moving so quickly that handing people confidence connected to their faith feels safe but it can also keep you stuck absolutely mean that you uh, can struggle to question you can struggle to doubt and really specifically you can struggle to change your mind. If you change your mind going into the tribe, that's great and we celebrate that. But we don't celebrate, once you're in the tribe, changing your mind again. That's mm-hmm. not good. So um, it's a worldview we come from where it's normal to have certainty or at least to pretend publicly you have certainty. So if you're doubting something, it's not something that you do publicly. Um, Whereas I think it, where we're at now um, and, and many people connected to liminal faith seem to be in this place from the conversations that we've had. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much not knowing and there's so much changing your mind. And so <clears throat> we wanted to underline, yeah, permission to change your mind. That's okay. Um, it may not feel normal. It may not feel okay. It may feel hard. It may feel dangerous. It may feel very unusual. Um, but yeah, let, let's be okay with, you know what, this thing that I say now is what I say in this moment. My present self can say mm-hmm, this and that might change. In fact, it probably should and it probably will. If, if we actually do evolve rather than we are static creatures, which we are not, if we do actually evolve, um, our thoughts should change. Our understanding should change. Um, and one of the things which I've wrestled with a little bit in the past is what I call up and to the right Christianity. Like on a grid, there's this kind of linear process. It's not like that. Like we all know it's not like that, but actually sometimes it can feel like the only way you can change is on this kind of certain trajectory on a graph. And actually, I don't think that's true. I think it's more complicated and also more free than that um Mm -hmm. but but this is different this is a different way of holding change and certainty it's so weird right that we uh, i think it's what my surprise and the conversation that i just referenced a minute ago i think it was a moment of awareness that that's a habit from the old system that I have brought into the new without thinking about it, without being conscious about it, the habit of feeling like whatever I say now, that's the thing that I'm staking a claim and choosing to believe into the future. It's a habit that I developed in the old system that we're talking about, right? Like the system that did think, the beliefs are static truth is static in that way right like there's um 
whatever you believe is who you are and it's what you stand for and you make these eternal decisions about what you believe that comes with a certain habit of thought that you're very careful about choosing what to believe and thinking it through logically and arriving at certainty before you make claims and before you stand on things because you're making eternal decisions. And um, so I am now, I have been doubting and questioning and seeing the value of those doubts for years and years now. So it doesn't, um, deconstruction is becoming a familiar energy to me. It feels, I'm, I'm used to that and it doesn't make me as uncomfortable. Well, that's not true. It's always uncomfortable, but it doesn't scare me like it used to. But I hadn't realized that despite my growing familiarity with deconstruction, I still have the same old habit of when I'm deconstructing, before I ever want to put anything, reconstruct anything, I'm very cautious. I'm very hesitant to try to figure out what I want to put back on a foundation. And that's where it comes from. It comes from the sense of, but I, uh, this will be eternal, so I better get it right. And then when I heard myself say that about like, you know what, I actually don't know that I'll believe this a year from now. That was so permission giving because I, it just brought to conscious awareness that habit that I don't have to carry anymore. I can choose a different framework, which is, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it, that it's always changing and that I'm not making an eternal decision. And I think it's something that we have both been okay with in theory, but but having it in practice is a really yeah. different thing. So one of the first connections that Sherry Lynn and I had <clears throat> was around a, an image that we both found very powerful, um, which was of the acorn oak tree and connected to a word teleos, which is a Greek word about something becoming the fulfillment of itself. So the, the acorn becoming the oak tree. And when I first met Sherry Lynn, we had this conversation and she told me about this word and I'd never heard it before. And I'm like, oh, that was when I fell in love with her the first time. I'm like, oh my goodness, <laughs> she's an actual genius. Um, <laughs> <laughs> little did you know <laughs> yeah. it was not at all true no little did I know how much more was in there um but we both really connected with this thing which is there is a a changing process which is super normal like we are we start off as these acorns and there is a progression to the fulfillment of what was always intended but the, the problem is so although we really really connected with that like metaphorically we really both did having it in actuality is different. So the problem is when you have gone through a change and then you look back at the earlier stage and almost shame yourself for like, what was I thinking? Like, oh my goodness. Um, and I, I just, I guess there's this process of like, the oak tree should never shame the acorn for being the acorn mm -hmm. because it's part of its process. And I look back at my time kind of in the Christian world, certainly about 10 years ago, I was on staff in a church and I was part of the whole thing. And I was quite public because I did like worship pastoring and worship leading and preaching. And some of the things which I said, which are probably recorded, oh, good Lord. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't actually, I couldn't say those things anymore, but 
it was part of my journey of getting here. Yeah, right. And I needed to, I needed to go through some of those things. And, and I think that gives me grace on myself that in another 10 years, I will probably look back at this stage and which apparently will be recorded on podcast for all of the humans to hear. <laughs> that will be nice. And go, oh, what was I thinking? Like, of course, I hope that I will have moved on. Um, and yet we feel such kind of weird shame connection to that. Like, we're supposed to have it all figured out and all sorted and be the oak tree, like, right now. No, like, the process of teleos, of the developing, is there are stages to it. And... Um, and when you look back, you're going to look different. You're going to say different things. You're going to stand on different things. And yeah. that's okay. That's part of the process. But I think we need to give ourselves some grace in that. And also for other people. Like, there are lots of people in my world who do not understand where I'm at today. And what they will often say to me is like, well, you know, if you don't think that, then what do you think? Like, you have to pin it down. And I often can't pin it down, uh, but I, I can get that, almost that fear of the unraveling and the throwing out of things, the, the fear of the change. Um, but it gives me more grace for people on that journey as well of like, yeah, I've been there and I felt that and I get it. And there are other people who are way further on in this journey who probably look at where I'm at and they're like, uh-huh, yep, I get it, yeah. Um, but it's it's being okay with which part of the journey you're in now because this part is part of what's going to get you to the next part like you cannot get to the end the fulfillment the completion which is what teleos means without taking each of the steps in the middle yeah you know what I love about this evolutionary rather than static perspective of spirituality too is it it's so true on both a micro and a macro level so it's what I love about Rob Bell's narrative theology. So we've referenced his book before, but what is his newest book, What is the Bible, um, is so easily accessible and readable, but really um, explains his unique theological perspective of scripture. And he, it's, I've heard it referred to as narrative theology. And he takes this view that we're talking about, about our own individual lives and perspectives and this permission giving, and he applies it across all of humanity, right? Like way back to, from all of what's recorded in the Bible for this large view of history. And when you read scripture like that, from this narrative perspective of a group of humans on the earth, growing and changing and evolving and watching their progress over time, it radically shifts how you understand what this book is communicating and what the ridiculous value is in this set of scriptural text that captures how our view and understanding of God changes and it's going somewhere. We are growing to know him more and more. And so he explains things like when, like when we look back at some of the old Testament scriptures and perspective and we read it from a static view, right? Like, so from a backwards and forwards in time, always the same. And if we take that stance of truth as perspective of truth, the static like that, and we apply that to reading the old Testament and we look at things that are supposed to be these sacred texts and it, it looks like 
violence is celebrated and tribalism is promoted and nationalism is held up as important and good. And it looks like a recommendation to turn around and do that, take that same stance in today's context. And we always have that awkwardness of reading the Old Testament, right? It's so violent and bloody and like at best we come up with these awkward explanations of, well, I mean, you have to read it in context, but I mean, yeah, that's just, you know, God is a God of justice. And we come up with these really interesting, we put twist ourselves in knots trying to explain something that if anyone were to take that violent approach, like if I were to walk over to my neighbor and just take such a violent approach with them, it's not okay, right? Like, so we, like, we have this clear sense of morality, even from within a Christian perspective, that doesn't work when you go back and look at some of the Old Testament, unless you give room for this evolutionary view that we are going somewhere and that we, who we are today in 27, I'm sorry, 2017, I'm backwards, 2018, it's New Year, Sherilyn, catch up. Um, We, who we are today in 2018 is very, very different than who the group of humans were in the Old Testament. But they too were very different from who Adam and Eve were. And like, you see this historical perspective. So it's a book, a collection of books that were written over thousands of years. And so you can see how we're changing over time. And you can see, for instance, he, um, Rob Bell makes this, this um, shows this inter- interesting perspective of say Abraham sacrificing Isaac. You can read it as barbaric of why would a God even like tease Abraham to Again, he didn't sacrifice Isaac, but he asked him to. It's like, what's how that's so barbaric. But if you go back and look at the way humanity was at the time that Abraham was doing this act, it was common. It's how humans understood what the gods were. They were these beings that were hard to understand, that controlled heaven and pulled all the strings and made everything happen. And you had to appease them from time to time. And the way you did that was by sacrificing things that were very valuable to you. It's how you proved your love for the gods. That was normal. To us today, that's barbaric and that's not normal and that feels old. But to him, it was it was what they thought, right? It was like how they experienced the gods. And so it wasn't unusual from Abraham's perspective that God would have been asking this. But what was radically different was what God did instead. It's what happened when he actually placed Isaac on the altar and instead provided an alternative. Hey, there's a different way we could do this here, Abraham. Look, like I'm going to show you there's a ram in the thickets. You can choose to substitute and have less violent, reaction here. Like you can actually keep Isaac. You don't have to give this to me to appease me. And so God was slowly, but surely in the, in the amount that we could handle it, evolving us over time to understand who he was. So it's not that God is this violent God who like, well, he's a God of justice. So we just got to deal with this. And he, he likes violence to, to handle some things. Sometimes we can take 
a different view of scripture that shows, no, that was just how they were then. And God was moving them forward one step forward each point in time. And at that point in time, the move forward was to show them a different way, to show them they didn't have to sacrifice. And that's why the New Testament feels radically different from the old. And it's why 2018 feels radically different from the New Testament, because he's still growing us. He's still taking us somewhere. We're not done. It's an active, alive story that's still being written. And that macro evolutionary perspective is just as fascinating to me and gives just as much permission as that micro story that we're talking about, about our own individual lives. And I think then there's a real curiosity about um, wh- where's it going? Yeah. Where's it going? <clears throat> and I, there's a verse, I think it's um, Ephesians 1.10, I believe, um, that talks about um, all things being brought back together. Mm -hmm. Uh, in Christ like so Christ being this creative force from which all things came and then the the Christ being the things that brings it all back together so it seems like unity is the overarching piece um, of where it's heading it's it's heading it's heading in a way where all things are going to be brought back together so although today there are lots of things I don't know when I look through this big filter of it all being brought back together I can mm-hmm. feel it. I, I can kind of go like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's, why, um, it's why 2018 so many things are changing. Like, um, I'm doing some work at the moment um, around kind of closing the gender pay gap. And I'm working um, with a women in tech organization about how there are only so many women who are in the tech world and certainly who speak in the tech world and how do we sl- close that gap and it can feel completely separate as in like, that's just the work that I do. Um, and it's not, it's all the same thing. It's like, you know, Jesus being this kind of physical expression of the Christ when he walked on the earth, one of the things that he did, which was radically different than anything before was to give voice to women, to give respect to women, to even call them people. Um, and, and that happened several thousand years ago and then today there's this turning that's happening as well where me too and time's up there's this gap closing thing which is happening of like yeah let's be reminded that women are people too and there was this massive shift that happened a couple of thousand years ago where jesus totally changed things in the culture that he was in and there have been shifts happening and that's true of any Anything where there is a gap, the things are not back together. So any minority where it's seen as other or less important or less valuable, there's, there's this move happening. And I think that in 2018, we are on the cusp of a real change. Like it feels yeah. like there's this kind of great awakening happening. Um, And more widely than just the Me Too movement, right? There's the LGBT community that's been so radically mistreated within the confines of the church um, and more broadly, but still in the church and so spoken against and so so much hatred put in their direction and the uh, African-American community in America, especially and how racism is obviously still rampant. And there's all of this change that's coming that you can feel the rumblings and it's actually why it's causing so much um, 
outward conflict because of all these rumblings, but it, it's going somewhere and we're waking up and we're changing and we're still evolving. And the church, the static church, can't keep pace with that because it's not what the church was meant to be, right? It's not, it's not the whole drumbeat of scripture. It's not this, what Jesus came to promote is this greater and greater steps toward unity and toward bringing all things together. Um, but it is happening. It's still happening. It's just what we've come to call, what some have come to call church lately and fixed it at a point in time like it's got to keep going. It's got to keep evolving. It's got to keep growing. It's what it was always meant to be. It's what it always has been. And it's what it will be. But that's what the rumblings are all about. And it's what is true in the wider is, is true in each of us as well. And right. I think the thing that I'd really like to just be super honest about, really transparent about, is that changing your mind can feel really hard to do. Um, so 15 years ago, I was in the church tradition and would have been like, of, of the kind of thought process that let's invite gay people into the church, but there's um, a process that needs to happen of them changing or shifting or, you know, like, it's not okay. That, that, that kind of feel. And that's not where I'm at today, but I can remember getting close to a line where I was like, I don't know if I'm allowed to question this one, but I think I might be changing my mind. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what happens between there and here was reading and researching and I'm, I'm a reader by nature. So as soon as I bump up against a question, I'm like, I'll get 15 different books from different perspectives and see what they have to say. Like it helps me to think it through, which is not the way that lots of people work. Like my husband is not that way. He doesn't work that way at all. But I know that I've learned that kind of seeping myself in lots of stuff helps sometimes. And then there comes a point where I've realized I'm just not very good at giving myself permission to change my mind. But then when I have and when I do, it seems so obvious. Like, oh yeah, like I was so ready to change my mind on this one. But there's lots of feelings attached to that. And I think part of what I just want to say is I, I, I want you to be able to give yourself permission to change your mind on some of those things where you're thinking, I'm not sure that that fits anymore or that I'm okay with that anymore. Or I know that I was raised that this is what I had to think and I had to believe and the way that I had to act. But I've, I've met other humans who don't fit the bill. Like they don't, fit into this structure that I was handed or I've had an experience myself and I'm I can't discount that experience but it doesn't fit in this original system when you start getting those outlier facts it starts poking at the system we've we've spoken about this in paradigm shifts there's another podcast about paradigm shifts which explains this in more detail but messy middle of change messy middle of change <laughs> oh yes um but it's, it's, it's that sometimes you have to get to the point where you give yourself permission to change your mind. Yep, for a long time I thought that, I believed that, um, and now I don't think I do, and that's okay. And my mind might change again on some of this stuff. You know what, some of the things I've changed my mind on, I'm pretty confident I won't change my mind on again. Um, there are other things that I'm pretty sure I'm in right in the middle of process, and I've got this 
sort of formed thought, but that's the best that I can give it. You know what I think helps with this too? It's to bring forward this, I think, false notion that our identity is attached to our beliefs. Yes, yes. I think that's been a part of, again, the, tr- the religious tradition that you and I have come out of, and actually just the modern world. I think um, modernity has given us this false notion that personal identity is um, really essentially attached to belief. And if you hold a view like that, what I believe is who I am, or at least in part who I am, then to get rid of beliefs or, as we're saying, to change your mind is to let go or divorce a giant part of yourself. So if you, so of course that would feel hard or almost impossible. It would be like, but I don't want to get rid of myself. (laughs) You know, I don't want to let go of who I am. I don't, and that's actually what it feels like, right? Like it's, when you come from that system, it feels like growing and changing in these ways and moving into a liminal faith space can feel like losing your identity of not knowing who you are anymore. But I think that's part of the foundation that really needs to change in our spiritual context is to form a new framework or a new base of understanding identity of what, what identifies us because we have to come up with a, more broad in time view of who I am because I mean you you can look back on your life and see how many times you've changed your mind about things already but I'm still me right there's something that still makes me me that's over and above all those snapshots of what I believed at any one given time so if we could come up with a better framework for understanding identity in our present that doesn't involve belief, I think it would give us a lot more freedom and a lot more permission to then stay in that state of growing and changing and moving to where God and the Christ consciousness is wanting to take us individually and collectively. And one of the things which I um, have been wrestling with recently is some of the what remains, so taking the analogy of the hallway what comes with me into the hallway and um I felt like one of the things that was really really important for me was ways of being it's one of the things that we've talked about here in liminal faith you can you can believe what you believe you can come from wherever you come from like we have very soft boundaries here but one thing that we say a lot is just be kind um yeah when you disagree, be kind. If you don't think the same as someone else, be kind. If someone else has a lifestyle that looks different to yours, be kind. And um, I think ways of being are some of the things that I'm being challenged remain. So these things remain. Loving people remains. being kind to people remains, holding grace seems to remain. And, and I, I'm saying this quite loosely because I, at the moment this feels like somewhere that I'd kind of put a pin for now. But I'm wondering if instead of us being known by our beliefs, we'll be known by <clears throat> the fruit of things like who we were and how we offered kindness and 
how we offered grace and how we offered love to others and that kind of fruit. Yeah, it's interesting though, right? But you can even see that evolving. So that definitely feels a lot closer and truer. And yet even that, like we can grow more kind or less kind over time. Mm -hmm. So there's something even broader than that, that I don't know what it is, um, but it's an, I'm, I'm curious about it, but you're right. That feels more, it feels, it feels like a better option than the belief option so far. Um, but even that, I can notice that it changes and evolves. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it is, but it feels like something new is wanted. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, this was our stab in the, I was going to say stab in the dark, stab in the some dark, some light, some not knowing <laughs> <laughs> of permission to change your mind. So I am curious for you as you listen, what things have come up what ideas that you have or have had, beliefs that you have or have had, questions that have come up for you, what's there, what, what feels like it may be wanting permission to mm. change, just given some air to breathe, some space to evolve. Um, <clears throat> where are you different now than you were a decade ago or maybe even a year ago? And I wonder what you sense may be changing as you move forward. And um, I just encourage you to hold it all lightly and openly and just see what happens with it as you do. But sometimes just loosening your grip and letting something breathe is all it needs to be able to evolve into something new. Yeah, I would add to that curiosity. What would you feel free, freer to commit to in the present if you would offer that permission to your future self to change your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this and uh, we will be back soon with another podcast. Uh, but for now, take care of yourselves and we will see you soon. And join us on liminalfaith.org to find out more about who we are. We have a private Facebook group that you can request to join, to join the community of people, liminal faithers having this conversation on a regular basis. And um, you can join us every other Sunday on, you can find out more information about that on the Liminal Faith, Faith Facebook page, but you can join us every other Sunday for a group conversation about these kinds of topics and others and wrestling with questions together.